Let's prepare our hearts for God's Word. And the title for the sermon today is Spiritual Strength Through Prayer. And if you have your Bibles with you, kindly open to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Now, before we read God's Word, let me ask you, what makes a man or a woman strong? What makes a man or a woman strong? Is it intellectual strength? The person is really, really smart. Or is it physical strength? Being really, really fit and athletic having big muscles? Or is it wealth? Being really, really wealthy and rich? Or is it influence? Being really famous and having a high position maybe on a company or government? What makes a man or a woman strong or powerful? Let me submit to you today that real strength does not come from our brains. Real strength does not come from our muscles. Real strength does not come from our money or the platform of influence that has been given to us by God. Real strength comes when a person clasps his hands, bends his knees, and calls upon the name of the Lord. That is real strength. You see, spiritual strength is more powerful than all the physical strength, monetary strength, and political power of the entire world combined. And you know what? Spiritual strength is made available by God even right now. If we call upon Him, we can have strength from on high. What is sad is that many believers neglect the spiritual strength they could have gained if only they did not ignore, if only they asked from God spiritual strength. Many think that they could go on in their lives without the strength and the power that God supplies, and they are wrong. Prayer makes a believer strong. Prayer makes a believer powerful. You know why? Because when we pray, we acknowledge that we are not trusting in our weak selves. When we're praying, we are acknowledging that we're not trusting in our limited wisdom and knowledge and strength. When we pray, we acknowledge, we humble ourselves and we acknowledge that God is strong, that He is ever strong and that He is all-powerful and that we're strong only because we're relying upon Him and nothing more and nothing less. How many of us desire to have spiritual strength today? Praise God. Many of us probably are very tired of just living a double life. You're tired of compromising. You're tired of a backslidden heart or a heart that is cold and dry or numb towards God. And you want a fresh awakening from God. Let me acknowledge that that is a good desire. But unless you humble yourselves before God and actually pray, nothing will happen. So pray to God so that you will be granted spiritual strength. Pray to God so that this ever-strong and all-powerful God would grant you an abundant supply of spiritual strength and power. Join me as we read Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. This is a prayer of the Apostle Paul, and let's all rise in honor of God's word.
God's word in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen let's pray heavenly father we thank you that your word is powerful heavenly father we thank you that you are all powerful and that we who are weak and we who are limited can rely upon you and we thank you, Lord God, for reminding us, Lord, that we are not to do about this life and go about this life just surviving. But we can thrive in our Christian walk. And we could do mighty things when we rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray even right now as your word is preached, Lord God. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be manifested, O oh Lord God, in this service, O oh God. I pray we would experience your power, your powerful, O oh Lord God, to change our hearts. And we pray indeed that your power would come down and be manifested and be felt by your people and your people would be changed and transformed and your people would surrender and your people would rely upon you. And I pray, Lord God, as we are empowered by you, things will not be the same in the family. Things will not be the same in our workplace Things will not be the same in our schools. Things will not be the same in this city and in this country. Because you are our all-powerful God. And by your grace, you desire to use weak and limited sinners and rebels who have been saved by you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. Do you feel sometimes that um, when you pray, you're just on maintenance mode? You're just kind of stuck in a routine and you just go about your life and you pray about the same things every day and it's no longer heartfelt. There's no longer any life in your prayers. Uh, let me suggest to you to pray scripture, that you would pray scripture. Now, sometimes when we have our quiet times, we would read God's word and we would learn a lot and we would meditate on God's word and be blessed by it. But then we would close our Bibles and then we would go on to our prayer list. And there would be no connection from what we read and what we're praying for. Now there's nothing wrong in that. But let me suggest to you that this could really have a, a big effect in your prayer life. And this could be a breath of fresh air in your prayer life that as you read God's word and you're encountering how great God is through his word, you could begin now praising him and you could begin now thanking him. If you read God's word and you see things that, that is convicting your heart, you could begin right there and then to confess before God. If you see things in God's word that is challenging and, and you want to be used by God and be used mightily by God, you could begin now asking for wisdom and strength from God. And you know what? What has encouraged you and what has comforted you, you could pray that to your spouse. You could pray that to your children. 
You could pray that to your small group. You could pray that to your church. You could pray that to your pastor. You could pray that to your discipler. And if you're awed by the gospel, you read something about the greatness of the gospel, you could even begin to celebrate God and thank Him for the gospel. And also pray for your unsaved loved ones and friends. And pray for the city and pray for the government and pray for the country. And even pray for those who are unevangelized, unengaged, unreached. You could make a connection between what you read and what you're praying for. Pray scripture. Pray scripture. We want to be biblical in our prayers, right? We don't want to be unbiblical in our prayers. And as we go on and on praying scripture, our prayers would be conformed more and more into biblical prayers, consistent to the truths and principles in the Bible. Pray with an open Bible. Again, there's nothing wrong if, you know, you, you pray and then you go on with your prayer list. But this is just a suggestion that you could pray Scripture, that you could make a connection with what you read and what you're praying for. Pray with an open Bible. And after the sermon, I'll give you time to pray through Scripture and actually the scripture um, that we will be expounding on. And this is an excellent example of prayer. D.A. Carson said, choose models in prayer, but choose them well. Choose models in prayer, but choose them well. Don't just choose any model of prayer. They have to be biblical prayers. And what we have here is a good example what we have here is a good model. We have the Apostle Paul and his prayer, an excellent example of prayer. Now, the first thing that we could see in the text is that Paul prays to the Father. Say, pray to the Father. This is very important. In Ephesians 3, 14 to 15, it says... For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We find here Paul is in a humble posture. He bows his knee. He's in a state of humility, and he's expressing it by bowing his knee. And he's praying to the Father, not just, you know, the man up there, or just any other God, or that Almighty in heaven. He is praying to the one true God, and he is the Father. What prompted Paul to humbly pray? What motivated Paul to, to pray in chapter 3, when we could already see in chapter 1 his prayer? His usual prayer and thanksgiving was already given in chapter 1. So why is there a need for another prayer in chapter 3? Well, we need to look at the verses before this. And you would realize as you go through and read chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. So it seems like Paul is about to pray at this time. He says, for this reason, and he was about to pray, but he paused. He stopped a little bit and talked about a few more things. But now in verse 14, he goes back to the prayer that he was to utter, that he was supposed to utter in verse 1. And so we ask, what is before chapter 3, verse 1? We find chapter 2. And what is chapter 2 all about? Let me summarize it in one word. The gospel. It is the gospel. Chapter 2 talks about the gospel that we are saved by grace through faith. Even though we are dead in our sins, by grace through faith we are made alive in Christ Jesus. And God has a plan to save the world to save both Jews and Gentiles and unite them as one. 
And because of the glorious gospel, Paul could not help but bend his knees. The gospel motivated Paul. The gospel moved his heart. The gospel moved his knees to cry out to his father. Let me ask you, does the gospel, the great plan of God to redeem both Jews and Gentiles, does the gospel move our hearts to prayer? Does the gospel move our hearts to prayer? Does the gospel move our knees in humility and crying out to God? The only reason why we Gentiles can call God our Father, the only reason that you and I can pray to God and pray our Father is because we have been adopted into God's family through the death and resurrection of Jesus, not by your good works, not by what you have done, not because of who you are. The only reason why we have access to God is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 12 to 13 says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And jumping to verses 18 to 19, for through him we both have access. We both have access access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Hallelujah. It is because of the gospel that we Gentiles can cry out to God and call Him our Father. It is because of the gospel that we can even pray our Father. It is because of the gospel that we can enjoy a personal and intimate relationship with God. And how does Paul describe God in verse 14 to 15? He is the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now to name something, to name someone is to define the identity of that person. That is what it means to be named in a biblical sense. And the Bible tells us that the Father has named every person and every family. What does this mean? It means for us, you don't define your own own identity. God has already given you an identity. You don't make or create your own identity apart from God. Your identity is rooted in God. You are named by God. If you want to know who you are, if we really want to know who we really are, we don't look to ourselves. We don't look to our reason. We don't look to our feelings and experiences. We don't look to the philosophers and the teachers of this world. We look to where we came from. And we have been created by God in His image. And if we really want to know who we are, we need to go back to God. He's the creator. And He is the owner of our lives. And sadly, a lot of people today don't go to God for their identity. No, go to God. He has named you, given you an identity. And you know what? God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows us better than we know ourselves. You know, sometimes we do things and we scratch our heads and we kind of say, you know, we kind of ponder, and why did I do that? Like, what's wrong with me? Or sometimes, you know, we, we don't really know ourselves. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? God knows us better than we know ourselves. Let me ask you right now, do you know God as the owner of your life, as the creator of your life? 
Do you acknowledge Him as your creator and owner? And not only that, this is more important. Do you know Him as your personal heavenly Father? Is He your heavenly Father? If you don't know Him personally as your heavenly Father, then you are still separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. You still have no hope and without God in this world. But if you right now would turn from sin and trust in Jesus alone by grace through faith in Christ alone for your salvation, then you who are once far off will be brought near by the blood of Christ. And you through Christ have now access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And if you now belong to Him, you could now pray to Him and you could say, Our Father. And you could now pray, My Heavenly Father. And look at what God is able to do. This Heavenly Father of ours is all powerful. This Heavenly Father of ours is generous. Look at verses 20 to 21 in our chapter. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. After reading that, let me ask you, what stops you from praying to your Father? What stops you, what hinders you from praying to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than anything you ask or think or imagine? God is all-powerful, and not only that, He is generous. So generous that He would even go beyond what you ask or even think, pray to the Father. And what should we pray for? Paul gives us a great example on what we are to pray for. Verse 16, and that is to pray for spiritual strength. Let's go back to verse 14 and all the way to 16. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. Now verse 16 is the center of Paul's prayer. And the central focus of Paul is spiritual strength. And we find here descriptions, powerful descriptions of spiritual strength. Spiritual strength is according to the riches of God's glory. And that's the first description. Spiritual strength is through the Spirit's power. And the third description, spiritual strength is to the inner being. That is packed with so much power. Let's go to the first description. Spiritual strength is according to the riches of God's glory. Say riches of God's glory. The strength made available for believers is not to a limited source. The strength made available for believers is not in a weak source. The strength made available for believers is according to the riches, the riches of God's glory. If you look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 to 10, you would see that Paul is uh, talking about the riches of God's grace. That God is not poor in His grace. That God is not even decent in dispensing grace. He is rich in grace. And it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ Jesus as a plan for the fullness of time 
to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. God is so rich in grace. He is so rich in grace that he lavished his grace upon his people. What does it mean for God to lavish his grace? Wala nagtinihik ang ginoo sa pagbukbo sa iyang grasya kanato. God is rich in grace. He lavished, and in the Greek it means over and above, abundantly, overflowing. God lavished His grace over and above, overflowing. He gave it abundantly. He gave a generous supply so that you and I would be saved. And now what we find is God is rich in glory, not poor in glory, not decent in glory, not above average in glory. He is wealthy in glory and splendor and honor. He is so rich. And just as God is willing and able to lavish grace upon those who turn to him, God is willing and able to lavish the riches of his glory to empower his people. If you ask for spiritual strength and you ask it wholeheartedly and you ask it according to God's will and you ask it without ill motives, God is ready to supply overflowing strength. God is willing and able to supply abundant strength. God is willing and able to supply over and above spiritual strength that you need. Do you want to be strengthened according to the riches of God's glory? You know, maybe the reason why you are not spiritually strong, the reason why you are spiritually weak, maybe the reason is as simple as you don't have because you do not ask. Maybe it's just that simple that we go on day to day not asking for spiritual strength from God. We go on day to day thinking that we could do it on our own. I could do the chores on my own, God. I could, you know, go to work on my own. I could go to school on my own. I could handle the family just by my own wisdom and strength. I could do it. Well, yes, maybe you could do it. But is there power? Is there power from the Holy Spirit? Or what you're manifesting is just weakness. It's amazing sometimes that we complain so much that we're so spiritually weak, that we're so easily discouraged, and we complain that we have no passion for God or for the lost, and we can whine all we want, but we have not asked. We complain, but we have not asked. We have not asked for the spiritual strength from on high. And we're surprised that we're weak. And we're surprised that we are spiritually depressed. Have you asked the Lord? And have you asked the Lord every day? God is willing and able to lavish the riches of His glory upon those of us who are weak. Upon those of us who are broken upon those of us who are lonely, upon those of us who are hurting, upon those of us who have been abused or orphaned, upon those of us who are discouraged and depressed, upon those of us who feel hopeless, there is spiritual strength from God, from on high, ready and available. Will you humble yourself? Will you pray to God? Oh, how God is so generous and all-powerful and oh how proud we are many times that we don't even simply humble ourselves and ask Lord I need your strength I need your strength instead of complaining to God about how we feel why don't we humble ourselves even right now you could do that you could cry out you could pray to God Lord grant me spiritual strength that is according to the riches of your glory the second description of spiritual strength is with the power through His Spirit. 
Spiritual strength is through the Spirit's power. Say, through the Spirit's power. Are we aware of how powerful the Holy Spirit is? Paul related the word power and Holy Spirit in two other of his epistles. In Romans 15, 19, Paul parallels the power of signs and wonders with the Spirit of God. The power of signs and wonders with the Spirit of God. And he does the same thing essentially in Galatians 3.15. And so why do we see signs, wonders, and miracles? It is because of its source. And who is the source of signs, wonders, and miracles? It is the Holy Spirit. That's why there are powerful outworkings of God. It is through the Spirit. And Old Testament saints like Joshua, Gideon, Samson, David, Ezekiel, and Daniel have done amazing things for God through the power of of the Holy Spirit. New Testament saints like Peter, Paul, Stephen, and many others have done amazing things for God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Even Jesus, second person of the Trinity, even Jesus was truly man and truly God. Even Jesus was anointed and empowered through the Holy Spirit. And you could just read the gospel according to Luke and you would see how Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you, if the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, even the Son of God, while He was here on earth, if they relied upon the power of the Holy Spirit, do we dare go face the challenges of life without the help and power and spiritual strength that the Spirit provides. Are we that proud? Are we that arrogant? We don't have just to, you know, survive in the Christian walk. We can thrive in our Christian walk. And I want you even right now to dream. Not literally, okay? Because some of you, I think, are doing that literally right now. But I want you to dream of how God is able to use you mightily. I want you to dream how how God can use you powerfully in your personal life, in your family life, in your relatives, in your in-laws, in your unsaved loved ones and friends, in your city, in the company that you work, in the school that you go to, in this country, and even to the unreached, probably. I want you to dream, but as you dream, remember you could not do it on your own and that you need power from heaven, power from God. Ask for spiritual strength every day, amen? Ask for spiritual strength every day. And the third description of spiritual strength is to the inner being. Spiritual strength is to the inner being. Say, to the inner being. Paul did not focus on the temporal, the physical. And even if you look at the prayers of Paul, in all his epistles, you would see that his focus is on the spiritual. His focus is on the eternal. It's not on the temporary. It's not on the physical things of this world. And sometimes, you know, we focus on the physical. More often, we focus on the temporal. We should look at the example of Paul. And Paul, despite the persecution that he faced, despite the hardship, the trials, the sufferings for Christ that he faced, he says this in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So the outer self of Paul and his companions, because of their missionary journeys, because they want to spread the gospel, the outer self of Paul, because of all the persecutions, the beatings, the lashings, the imprisonment, going through hunger, going through pain, going through a lot of trials and fire, his outer self, along with his companions, is wasting away. It is wasting away his outer self. 
But he says, even though the outer self is wasting away, you know what? The inner being, the inner being is being renewed day by day. You might not be wasting away because of persecution, because of suffering for Christ. And we live in a democratic country and we don't take full advantage of this most of the time. But we have brothers and sisters who are wasting away in China, in the Middle East, in the Muslim tribes here in our country, wasting away because of persecution and suffering for Christ. What is your experience in terms of your body wasting away? Is it because of age or sickness or a disease or an injury or an accident? Whatever it might be, our outer selves are wasting away. Our present physical bodies are dying and decaying. We grow older and older and older, not younger and younger and younger. It's only when Jesus returns that we will be given glorified bodies. And when we have glorified bodies, it it would be a body that will not die, a body that will not decay. But right now with our present bodies, It is dying and decaying. And if you have not noticed, you are dying and decaying every day. Now, we celebrate birthdays every year, right? We celebrate, and it's a good opportunity for us to thank God for His faithfulness in our lives. But many of us do not realize, and this is just reality, that our birthdays gets us closer to our death dates. But isn't it true that we value and give more importance to our outer selves, this present physical body, than our inner selves? We make sure we feed our outer selves, but we leave our inner selves impoverished. We don't nurture it. We don't nourish it. It is malnourished. It is neglected. It is starving. But we could go on. What do you really value in this life? The temporary or the eternal? You know what? Let's look at your prayer list. Let's look at the content. What do you pray for? This is a good indication as well of what you truly value. If we truly value eternal things... Our request will revolve more on the eternal things rather than the temporary. However, if we value the fleeting things of this world, it will revolve, our prayers will revolve around the fleeting things of this world. The inner life is so important. It is where the battle to sin or to obey God begins. And if you fail at your inner life, it's just a matter of time that the outer effects and consequences would surface. Do you guard your inner lives? Again, let's look at your prayer list. Let's examine it. Does your prayer list, and this might be a bit too strong, does your prayer list look like you're a person who believes in the health wealth, and prosperity gospel. Is that your prayer list? Do you just pray, Lord, keep me and my family safe and healthy. Lord, bless my business. Lord, make me wealthy. Make me prosperous. Bless my career. Make me successful. If you only pray that way, are you sure you do not believe in the false gospel called health, wealth, and prosperity. That's just all that you pray. Lord, bless me, bless my family, make me rich, make me wealthy, don't make me sick. If that's all that you pray, are you sure you don't believe in the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel? Or maybe your prayers are just basically, Lord, provide for my needs. 
Provide for my tuition fees, provide for rental bills, Lord, provide for the electrical bills, the water bills, the cell phone cable internet bills, Lord, provide for the car and housing bills, the food and gas allowance, Lord, provide for the grocery and shopping bills, Lord, provide for my credit card bills, my insurance bills, my many utang bills. Brad. And your prayer is just all about, Lord, provide, 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 provide. Now, I'm not suggesting we don't pray for these things. Jesus taught us to pray, give me this day my daily bread. But is that all that you pray for? Do you pray for God's name to be revered, God's kingdom in heaven to come on earth, God's will to be done? Yes, let's cast all our cares upon Him, for He cares for us. Anything that makes you anxious, anything that makes you worried, you cast that onto God. But what I'm suggesting is let's not settle on the temporary. Let's not just settle on this present age. And our prayers are just revolving around temporary things. But we pray for eternal things. We pray even for our inner lives. Do we value what God values? Do we focus on the eternal and the spiritual? And I pray that that would indeed be seen in our prayer lives. Pray that according to the riches of God's glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Pray for a strong and powerful inner life. And in our text, there are three benefits for spiritual strength. And the first benefit is the manifest presence of Christ. And the second benefit is enhanced understanding of Christ's love. And the third benefit is being filled with the fullness of God. These are powerful spiritual benefits that we could gain when we pray to God and ask for spiritual strength. So pray to gain spiritual benefits. Say spiritual benefits. And the first spiritual benefit is the manifest presence of Christ. And verse 16 to 17 says that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, if you just read it like that, it sounds as if you need spiritual strength. You need to ask for spiritual strength, first of all, before Christ would dwell in your heart. I know it sounds like that, but Paul is not talking about that. He says already in chapter 2, 22, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God is building through Gentiles that he has saved and Jews that he has saved, building a kind of, kind of like a temple for God, a dwelling place for God already. And Romans chapter 8, 11 is even more clear. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Spirit who dwells in you. It's clear from this passage that a believer has the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ already residing, dwelling in the hearts of that believer. If you turn from sin and trust in Jesus alone, the Spirit will enter your heart. Christ would dwell in your heart. And we need the spiritual strength from God for Christ to manifest more and more His presence. Do you want to live a life that is pleasing to Him? Do you want to be more intimate in your personal relationship with God. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it in your own strength. You need spiritual strength for you to grow more intimate in your relationship with God. In other words, Paul is talking about Christ being at home in the life, in the heart of the believer. Let me ask you, is Christ at home? In your heart 
Or in other words, let me ask you, are you treating Jesus just as a guest and not as the king that he is? You know, if you have a guest in your home, it's understandable that uh, there would be rooms that are off limits. You don't tour your guests and say, this is my stock room. This is where I keep all my stuff that I buy but I never use. Is there, this is my stock room. Look how dirty and disorganized it is. You don't tell your guests, let me give you a tour and, and let me show you where we throw our trash. You know, malata, di malata, and open up, see, you know, I really segregate. You don't do that to your guests. Your guests would feel kind of awkward if you're going to do that tour. But what if the king enters your house? And what if the king lives in your house? He's not a guest. He is king. What do you do with the king? Do you say to the king, sorry, this is off limits to you. You cannot open this. Sorry, this is where I keep my trash, my sins. You cannot open them. You cannot see them. When the king enters into your heart, into your house, no room should be left unopened. No room should be left unexamined. No room should be left untransformed by the power of Christ. Everything should be open to him. Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are dethroned. You are dethroned. You no longer rule your life. Jesus is now the supreme ruler and Lord of your life. Is he king? Is he at home in your heart? Or is he troubled or grieved? Oh, we pray for repentance to fall upon the hearts of God's people. Another spiritual benefit is enhanced understanding of Christ's love. Enhance understanding of Christ's love. Verse 17 to 19, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Paul is saying the Ephesian believers already have a strong foundation. They are already rooted and grounded in love. They know the love of Christ. That is the foundation of their lives. And because they have a strong foundation, what Paul is saying here, that they would grow all the more in their comprehension, in their understanding, and even their experience of the love of Christ. Our brains are not strong enough to comprehend how much Jesus loves us. Our hearts are not strong enough to experience and know how much Jesus loves us. What is the breadth of Christ's love? How wide is it? How can we possibly measure that? What is the length of Christ's love? How do we measure its distance from one end to another? What do we use? Kilometers? What is the height of Christ's love? How do we measure it from top to bottom? What is the depth of Christ's love? How deep is the love of Christ? Are we able to measure the love of Christ horizontally or vertically? What do we use to measure the love of Christ? What is the full measure and extent of His love? Are we able to comprehend? Are we strong enough? And the answer is no. We need spiritual strength so that we would understand all the more how Christ loves us. We need spiritual strength. We're not strong enough to handle how much Christ loves us. Paul prays for strength for the Ephesian believers that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I like that song, Here I Am to Worship. And the bridge says, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon the cross. Do you know how much it costs? God, God the Father and God the Son, God the Spirit, to have Jesus on the cross? How do we measure the cost of Christ's love? How do we measure the love of Christ in kilometers or light years? How do we measure the cost of Christ's blood in pesos or dollars? We cannot. 
The love of Christ is immeasurable, inexhaustible. The blood of Christ is priceless. And yet the infinitely valuable blood of Christ has been poured out upon those who don't even deserve it. Oh, we need strength to comprehend the love of Christ. Amen. And the next spiritual benefit is being filled with the fullness of God. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. What we have here is that the three benefits here is not a series, but it is a progression. What does that mean? It's not like God has three gifts and he says, okay, I'm going to give you four spiritual strength. I'm going to give you, okay, manifest presence of Christ. And then alongside that, uh, I'm going to give you enhanced understanding of Christ's love. And then I would give you, you know, you're going to be filled with the fullness of God. That is not the picture. The picture is this. As you have spiritual strength, God will grant you the manifest presence of Christ. And on top of that, and on top of that, God would grant you an enhanced understanding of Christ's love. And on top of that, you would be filled with the fullness of God. Being filled with the fullness of God is the climax of the spiritual benefits that we could gain as we pray for spiritual strength. And being filled with the fullness of God is really just about spiritual maturity. In Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Being filled with the fullness of God is the same as being filled with the fullness of Christ, and it means spiritual maturity. We need spiritual strength to be spiritually mature. Amen? Are you spiritually mature or immature? Are you Christ-like or are you unlike Christ in your actions and your attitudes. And I pray that we would all repent of anything, thoughts, affections, attitudes, actions that are not like Christ. May we repent of all of them and become more and more like Christ. So pray to the Father. Pray for spiritual strength. Pray to gain spiritual and powerful blessings and benefits from God. God has greatly used my parents. And one of the reasons why God has blessed their lives and their ministries is because they have constantly relied upon God. When I was still under their roof, I could testify that they prayed consistently every morning early in the morning they devoted themselves to prayer they would walk around in the sala to keep them awake and alert and I would see this consistently in the 23 years I live under their roof and I truly believe that the legacy that Pastor Mel and Sister Marie will leave behind for the generations to come is their powerful prayer lives that accompany their powerful preaching and teaching. They know that God is the one who grants spiritual strength. And so they pray constantly to God, and God has greatly strengthened and blessed them. And you know what? The spiritual strength that my dad and my mom experience can be experienced by you as well. We have the same God. We have the same powerful God. We have the same glorious and generous God who is worthy of praise and thanksgiving. He is so powerful and generous that he is even able to do far more abundantly than anything we ask or think 
or imagine. To him be the glory. Let's give God praise. Right now, I'd like to give you some time to reflect and some time to confess. If you need to confess of your prayerlessness or you're no longer wholehearted in your prayers or it's just routine, pray and confess to God right now. You could even pray with an open Bible. You could pray through Scripture. Ask for spiritual strength. Let's continually be in an attitude of prayer. And let me invite everyone who is able to bow your knee. If you're able, if, if you don't have any problems with your knees, please do join me right now. Can we kneel before God as a posture of humility? Again, this is just for those who have no problems with their knees. Let's come before God in humility as a congregation and let's pray to our God. Heavenly Father, in light of the gospel, in light of the victory of Jesus Christ, in light of the power of the blood of Christ, in light that we have been made new and redeemed by your love and by your grace and through faith alone, in light of your gospel, we are moved to prayer, Lord that we could now enjoy this access to you and we can cry out to you and call you our Heavenly Father. Thank you for this wonderful privilege and I pray, Lord God, that we would not neglect or ignore this wonderful privilege, that we could commune with you, that we could talk to you, that we could call you our Father. And right now, Lord God, as a congregation, we bow our knees before you from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. You are our creator. You are our owner. You are our redeemer. Our identity is rooted in you, Lord God. Not in what the world says, but in what your word says. We are yours. We belong to you. And we pray right now that according to the riches of your glory, according to the riches of your glory, I pray, Lord God, that you would grant us, all of us right now, as a congregation, oh Lord God, to be strengthened, to be spiritually strengthened with power. Lord, strengthen us right now with the power through the almighty and powerful Holy Spirit. Strengthen us, empower us, Lord God. Anoint us for your calling and ministry that you have given us, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen us in our inner beings, in our inner selves, that even if our outer selves are wasting away, our inner selves are being renewed day by day by the strength that you supply. As we gain the spiritual strength, oh Lord God, I pray that Christ would be at home in our hearts, Lord God, through faith. We are already rooted and grounded in your love. And I pray that we would grow all the more in our understanding and comprehension of the love of Christ. And I pray, Lord God, that would even motivate us to love you more. Love you with our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. All that we are, all that we have. Love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Love the lost, O oh Lord God. I pray that Christ would be at home. O oh God, I pray that you would break into the rooms that we have locked and closed. So that the king would enter and open and examine and transform all the areas of our lives, Lord God. And I pray for spiritual strength, O oh Lord God, that we would, together with all the saints, know what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. Give us even just a little bit 
Give us a glimpse, Lord God, of how much you love us through Jesus Christ. And I pray even right now you would release the manifest presence of your love upon all of us right now, Lord. May we know in our mind and hearts how much you love us. And I pray that you would grant us spiritual strength so that we would be filled with all the fullness of God, that we would be spiritually mature, that we would be like your son, Jesus that we would be Christ-like, Lord God. I pray that living word would grow in spiritual maturity, Lord God, from the children to the adults, Lord. I pray that you would raise up an army that are spiritually mature. And we thank you, Lord God, that we have great confidence that as we pray this, you are able to do far more abundantly and all that we ask or think. Raise up prayer warriors, Lord God. Raise up in this church people who are mighty in prayer and mighty in the word. And as we pray, oh Lord God, we know that it is according to the power at work within us. And to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand.